Welcome to another edition of Market Impact Insights, your podcast source for business leadership perspectives to help your business grow. Hear from experts in marketing, sales, business strategy, and more with practical advice for business success. Make sure you won't miss the latest episodes by visiting marketimpactnow.com. Now, here's your host, Dan Albaum. Welcome back, everyone. You know, here at Market Impact Insights, our philosophy is capturing real-world stories that show examples of how people are making a positive impact every day. And we're going to talk about video technology today. And if you think about what's happening in the world, what's happening with the shift in remote workforces, which was already underway over the past couple of years, but of course, in the global pandemic, extremely accelerated. There's nothing that's more important when you think about keeping those remote teams connected than video and collaboration technology. And I'm really excited to have our guest here today, Clive Sawkins, CEO of Pinnaca, which is a global provider of fully managed video conferencing and collaboration services. Uh, Pinnaca works with some of the largest telecommunications collaboration companies in the world. Uh, 85 countries uh, that they are helping serve and deliver these vital services. And we're going to talk to Clive today about uh, what some of the challenges and opportunities are. And obviously, with the explosion in use of video around the world, uh, it's never been more important to deliver that in a secure fashion. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about his experience as an entrepreneur and building this very successful company that I think will be inspirational and insightful for all of you out there. So uh, a little more on Clive. So Clive, as I mentioned, CEO of Pinnaca, but prior to that, has served as a senior executive in major technology companies, including Cisco, Avaya, Unisys, and Nortel. So he knows about communications and collaboration. Uh, he's also uh, regarded as a leading expert in the areas of everything from sales to marketing to operations corporate strategy and acquisition. So he brings that perspective in, and uh, I'm really excited to talk to him today. Clive, welcome to Market Impact Insights. Dan, thank you very much. That, that was a great interview, um, interviewing lead-in. I was smiling as you said about my background. I'd forgotten about some of the things that I've done in my career. <laughs> well, we're going to talk a little bit about that. One of the things I like to start out with when I speak with uh, folks that have built successful companies uh, and that come from larger company backgrounds prior to jumping in and doing that, I'd like to kind of go back uh, and uh, tell us the story about that. Obviously, you worked in these very large global companies, but was it always your dream someday to go down a more entrepreneurial path and build companies from the ground up? Or did that just kind of evolve uh, at a certain point in your career? So it kind of evolved. It wasn't a thing that I got up every morning while I was in corporate life thinking, I really want to give this a try. Uh, and and I mean, that's for a couple of reasons. I mean, I have been very lucky in my career. Uh, the companies that I've worked for were all great organizations, great people, great technology, vast customer bases. And I was lucky enough to work on some of the leading edge technology moving uh, from TDM telephony into IP, then into applications, building out the UC stack. I I've been very fortunate in my career. And it just was an opportunity that, that popped up at the at the point in time where when I was at Cisco, um, 
I was looking to move around the organization into other roles. And Cisco were very, very good to me about that with three or four opportunities. And then something popped up and someone approached me and said, how about doing your own thing in organization? We had this this bit of a startup, but it's got no direction, no real strategy, uh, and it's going to be a real challenge. Are you up for it? And I thought about it. Uh, and I, I thought about it for, for a, a good few weeks. And then I decided, yes, it was the right thing to go and do because it would harness all my skills. And the more I thought about it, the more I was up for the challenge. And at times it has been a challenge over the years as I've grown the business, but I've enjoyed every second of it, even the bad days. Well, you're based in the UK, but you're running a global company. And Anytime you're starting something from the ground up, uh, there's just so many things to take into consideration, and you're wearing so many different hats. So looking back on your experience over the past, what, it's been about 12 years, what have you found to be the most frustrating, but ultimately the most rewarding about really starting and running your own business? So, so there's a couple of things that, that, that have stuck with me over the years, and, and I've said it to numerous people when they've asked me this question. So when you're in a large corporation and there's lots of people and a project comes up or something's gone wrong with a piece of technology and you need to support uh, the customers and you need to throw resources at it, you can typically find in large corporations that there's lots of people to come and help with the problem and you can get it fixed. When you're in a startup mode, there's not a lot of people to go running up that hill with you and and you suddenly realize it's on your shoulders and it can be quite scary um, because there is no management team of, of any great magnitude to start with. There is no uh, army of individuals that are going to run up that hill with you when you, when you need them. So you tend to make sure that you, you can commit and deliver what you say you're going to do. And secondly, is you become a master of a lot of trades very quickly. If I think back to the very early days, um, I installed the first hardware with a, with a few of the team in, in the data center in the UK. I ran the cables and powered up the boxes and, and, and did what I needed to do. The good news is that the team have now grown and they barred me from ever going into a data center again. <laughs> but, but, but you, you kind of do everything. You know, you, you make sure if you've got visitors that you've got coffee in the machine and, and you make sure the bins are cleaned. You have to have a really open mindset about what you're going into and be prepared to do whatever it takes. You know, Clive, as you were talking, I was thinking something that we've mentioned on this show a couple of different times is this concept of servant leadership. And, you know, and the idea that great leadership is really about removing barriers and really how do you enable your team as you build it to be more successful as opposed to kind of all about self. So sounds like a you know, ultimate hands-on jump in there with the team, but really with that servant leadership mindset. It is. And, and then as the business grows, you have to change your management style again. You go from uh, being the, the leader that can do anything to employing people around you that are better than you um, to help the business grow. And then you have to trust them. You have to give them enough uh, uh, space to allow them to do the roles that they've got. And if they fail, you need to pick them up and help them get to where they need to be because everyone fails at whatever level it is in an organization. And you have to accept that because it makes you better people. So you, you go through various phases and different types of leadership as the business grows. And as you bring that team around you and you inspire them um, to go on and do things and manage risk within the business, then the dynamic continually changes. And I guess over the years, that dynamic has changed for me in the business two or three times as we've 
grown the North American business, grown the Asia business, taken on bigger channel partners and delivered newer technology. Um, you have to grow the team to grow the company and, and the role of the CEO in all of that changes. Yeah, it's definitely uh, something that situational awareness uh, and understanding kind of when and how to really shift and and when it is time to step back a bit, mm-hmm. you know, as you describe that, that really is, it's, it's not just science, right? There's a bit of art and really kind of understanding the pulse, right? Of where the company is at, where the skill sets of the people that, that you've brought in really are at. It is. You're, you're so right. And, you know, it, 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 there is some science in it. There is some maths in it. There is some gut feel in it at the end of the day when you look at an individual and you just know that that person's got the skills and capability. They might lack a bit of experience at that point in time, but you know you're going to get them there. And that's how a business grows. And if there's a, a couple of things I've learned over the years, um, it's it's the business is more and more successful when there's promotion from within. And if I look at the team today, some of the team that have been with me for the last 10, 11 years joined in the customer services department. And, and you know, they're now directors in senior roles in the business, um, owning the customer relationship or the technology or product management because they've grown along with the business as well. And, and that puts a real smile on my face um, to know that those individuals have, have been with us on the journey and, and, and have got the rewards uh, coming to them as they've grown at the same time. Yeah, that's that's fantastic to have that vertical growth within the company uh, for people. And so, obviously, the customers that you're serving uh, with um, video collaboration services, they're really having to adapt as as the pandemic has taken hold this year, rethink how they run their businesses. I'm curious, Clive, from your perspective at Pinnaca, how have you embraced the need for social distance? but balance that with the need to maintain very strong, enduring customer relationships, right? What have you found have been the key things that have helped you achieve strong business continuity through this whole crisis? So a, a couple of things that we uh, deployed in the business very quickly. So um, because of the way we've run our business in the past, we're quite used to having Uh, customer incidents that need to be managed, uh, where uh, a senior team and and a set of experts across the business will come come together quickly, quite informal at times, but with some process around it that brings the task force of the right intellectual capital to to address an issue. So quite early on, we set up our task force for for COVID-19, a cross-section of people from from sales to marketing to operations to engineering um, that came together in the early days three times a week um, to work out what did we need to do to manage the employees and manage the customers and manage the business. Um, So we we were quite proactive. In fact, I would say we were very proactive. Um, And we made decisions in that group you know, three times a week, depend on, on changes that we had to make to support the customer base. So we, we emptied our offices quite quickly. We're very lucky that we had already implemented technology that allow everyone to work from home and remotely. So that wasn't a challenge. Our networks were ready. Um, operationally, our people had all the gear that they needed. Um, so moving customer service out of offices into people's homes and maintaining the service levels for us was very easy. Um, then at the same time, 
our requirements from our customers changed. All of a sudden, overnight, they wanted another thousand licenses here or five thousand licenses there, as as they worked through their challenges. So we were also able to use that task force to guide our customers with our learnings and help them make the right decisions. Um, and that actually went down very well with a lot of our customer base. So February, March, April, we did a huge amount of network expansion very quickly, capacity expansion for our customers, and seamlessly turned them up, turned up capacity and and educated them on best practice, especially with the security elements and on what did they need to do. So we've, we've been in a good position. We're just now um, going to our task force calls of, of once a week rather than three times a week. We went three, two, one, as you would expect. And now what we're starting to get our minds around is, so what, what does the new world look like? When are we going to bring people back into the business? When are we going to reopen the offices? What do the offices look like going forward? And how are we going to change the way we work and operate um, to support the new world? So um, I think we've been very good at what, what we've done. Um and I'm very proud of the team, but I think we also had a, a bit of an advantage because of the infrastructure that we support for our customers. Technology-wise, we didn't miss a beat. So speaking of technology, obviously in the video collaboration space, you think about the last 10, 15 years, what a massive transformation, right? Mm-hmm. And continuous uh, enhancement, continuous innovation. It's a highly competitive space. It's a very dynamic space. So how do you ensure that you're cultivating a culture that is constantly innovating, Clive, uh, that is really always pushing the bar? So, so in, a, in a small company, it's a challenge because you have um, finite resource, finite funds available. Um, but we do have, in fact, I still own at the top of the company, the product strategy. Um, and we regularly once a quarter get together to throw ideas up and talk about innovations and ideas and what we should be doing with the platform that we've built and which way the market is going. And in fairness, what are our competition doing? We acknowledge, you know, we're not the only ones in this market space and there's others with deeper pockets than us. So where's our niche going to be and, and how can we be much faster to market and better with what we do? Um, and, and one of the, the things that I, I always rely on is, is why do customers come to us? Why do they use our service? Why do the Vodafones, the Verizons, the Tata communications of this world outsource their video networks to me? It's because I do innovate and because I am very quick at doing things and I can be very responsive to their customer needs where they can't. So we, we've always stuck true to our values. Um, the other thing we always say is let's deliver the things we can deliver and not bite off more than we could chew, and let's not promise things we can't deliver. So we're always very focused on that we are still a smallish organization in this market, and there are certain things we just cannot do um, in the timeline that others might be able to. So we're, we're very focused on adding real value, strengthening the platform that we've got while always delivering secure applications. That's the key to what we do. So I think there's a couple of things that you were talking about that really jumped out to me. One is this idea of cadence and quarterly kind of coming back together, reassessing um, course change correction if needed based on what's going on out in the market. We're, we're broken away from this monolithic, let's put together the three-year strategic plan that has the one-year operating plan. We come together once a year to do that. I mean, we're in such a dynamic space, right? You can't just rely on the once annually uh, come together, set a plan, right? So I like that you've got that continuous reassessment. And then the other uh, part of this too is um, being able to not just prioritize what you're going to do, 
but make the hard decisions around what you're not going to do. And I found in working with in many large companies myself that that often is some of the hardest uh, things to do is is what do you say no to? Because there's a tendency to want to do it all. There is, and everyone likes to say yes. It's the easy answer. The, the no and why you're not doing it is often the tougher one. And, and we've become quite good at it over the years. You know, we, we we share our roadmaps and our thoughts with our partners and let them input to what we're doing. Um, I haven't ever written a three-year business plan since I've been in, in the Pinnaker business. I don't believe in it anymore. We tend to have an 18-month rolling business plan, both commercially and product roadmap, and we continually, certainly on the product say, side, make changes. As newer technologies come along or uh, something becomes really important because of a change, you know, recently we launched Pinnaker Health, which is a set of video products very much focused at the health industry. And at this point in time, that struck a real chord with a lot of our partners and customers because it's using video in a very secure way in an environment that now people see is ready for these new applications. Yeah, that's a good point. You mentioned the vertical uh, in terms of the healthcare. And I know that Pinnaca is focused on solutions that are really tailored to serve some other verticals, such as finance, utilities, legal, and justice. So you're, you're dealing with, uh, sounds like a broad set of unique needs. There may be some common thread across all those, but probably some unique uh, nuances also in serving those different segments. They are, there are, and and if you look at the the platform that we've built, you know, there's some some what I politely term vanilla underneath it that works for all verticals. Um, the, the 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 bridging infrastructure, the security around it, the need to protect customer data of what they're discussing and what they're sharing and things like that. But there's also the ability to customize into the vertical. So we've always been very strong in justice. It's our biggest application. Um, or for managing secure uh, court trials and witness management and things like that. Um, we've always been very strong in the finance vertical because people want to collaborate and share information, but making sure it's secure. Um, and, and we've always had product in um, in the healthcare industry, especially in North America, where we've been strong in putting video into a lot of hospitals and secondary healthcare. But what we've now done is to build an applications platform on top of it that allows us to create end-to-end workflow in each of these verticals uh, that fits in with the other tools and applications that they might be using, but in a very secure way. So you mentioned secure several times. So let's shift to something that is on the minds of business leaders everywhere, which is, okay, I get it. Uh, we've got remote work teams. We've got to keep them feeling connected and keeping them productive. We want to have good, strong video collaboration services. But how do I ensure that we keep those communications secure? So can you talk a little bit about um, how uh, you're focused on really that security uh, angle and and making sure that there's confidence, peace of mind, you know, as you go out and you support your customers. Uh, absolutely. So, I'm, so I'm, I'm not going to give the the game away down at the technical level, but let me let me explain some of the fundamentals that we have within the business. And we've seen over this this pandemic period, others in the industry have had to address their security weaknesses. And, and say various things in public that they've had to adapt their platform to very quickly. We kind of came at this at another direction very early on, which is 
if we're going to offer secure communications, then we better really mean it. And security comes at multiple levels. It's not just turning on a firewall. If it was that easy, everyone would be doing it. But how are you going to secure content? How are your processes going to manage things like GDPR and customer data management? How are you going to integrate that into a workflow and an architecture? How are you going to encrypt calls? What are you going to do with the encryption? Is is that a unique encryption strategy for each and every call or each and every leg of the call? It comes, security comes at a multiple level set of levels and you have to build it into your culture. You have to build it into your network design. You have to build it into your applications. And then when you think you've done it, you start again. This is a process that is never going to stop around security now. And it has to be totally ingrained in everything that you do. And what I personally think is going to happen during this pandemic, a lot of businesses made decisions that got them out of trouble very quickly, implement this technology, implement that technology, spread a lot of tools out in the environment. When we get back to the new normal, a lot of organizations are going to have to reassess what they did and work out, actually, does that fit within their security architecture? Did they put any of their customer data at at liability in that environment? What is their strategy going to be going forward if people are going to be more remote going forward? Um, So I think we're going to have, I think the the pendulum has swung very quickly to the right and now it's going to have to swing back to the middle a little bit again. And people are going to have to really start to think about this. It's not a, it's not a thing you think about on Monday and you forget. It's a thing that you have to think about every day of the week. And I think an organization like Pinnaker that takes it very seriously is an organization that's in a, a good place for the future. Clive, have you seen some of your customers as part of the reality of needing to think about this every day of the week? Have you seen some shifts just even in terms of roles within those organizations where they're bringing in more in, in what I'd call security experts in house. Have you seen anything change there? Yes, I have. I mean, we have a number. We have a number of customers and partners that have kind of two methodologies for this. Some people outsource it. Some people insource it. Uh, that's a, that's a business decision. The reality is, do you have a strategy and how you're going to deal with it? How you're going to deal with incident management? How you're going to deal with the control of data and and, and the ongoing manipulation and management of that? Um, but yes, I think we're going to see uh, in a short period of time a much bigger focus on security and data management um, uh, implementation really of, of how GDPR gets applied um, and people making decisions, you know, not just around change management because it was good to do at the time, but actually based around underlying structures of protecting that data that's in the business. Um, and yes, I do think people will start to take this seriously again. I mean, we've all seen in public, no one needs me to point out uh, how many you know, uh, emails, Trojans have been put out there, how many emails are spamming, uh, all taking uh, an opportunity that's out there at the moment to confuse people. Uh, You've got to protect yourself and your businesses from all of that every day of the week. Totally makes sense. And with video and collaboration services delivering so many major benefits, you know, you would think that this would just be an easy road, right, to just ramp scale within organizations. But we also know that there are challenges, there are threats, you know, in, in delivering those services, getting widespread adoption within these uh, companies, especially if they're larger uh, multi-location global companies. So can you talk about some of the potential roadblocks that you've seen to get that wider spread, not just deployment, but the actual adoption and usage within these organizations. So I'm really hoping with the pandemic that we're over this adoption issue that's gone on for years. 
um, video doesn't work, collaboration doesn't work, because we've seen the pendulum swing in the last three or four months um, so quickly. It wasn't anything to do about transformation. It was a business need that got driven very quickly. Um, and, and it seems to me a number of the barriers, the human and cultural barriers that sat out there about using collaboration and real-time video suddenly disappeared overnight. Now, Clearly, that's going to swing back to the middle a little bit. But um, what organizations have got to work out is what is the balance of people working remotely, uh, having a better life, uh, not needing so much office space. That's going to be a real conversation starter when people start to go back to offices and there's empty space. What are are people going to do with this real estate? Um, Are huddle rooms going to be the way forward? How are we going to deal with social distancing in meeting rooms? Um, so there's a lot still to be discussed, and I think we are, or I hope, we're over the it doesn't work, I can't work this way, because in the last three or four months, so many organizations have proved it. Uh, that said, you know, even I, even an I as, as a video company that do this every single day of the week is you have to have a balance. And um, I've missed meeting customers in real time uh, and building that that one-to-one relationship. Um, and I'm looking forward to, to the balance swinging back a little bit and, and seeing my employees again in, in real life rather than uh, over video every single minute of the day. So I think we're going to have some adjustments, um, but I do believe now that we are over the cultural barrier of it doesn't work and I can't use it. So, Clive, looking ahead, thinking about the future, what gets you the most excited? Opportunity. Um, You know, we're a young organization. Um, We are able to adapt very quickly. Um, We're able to pick up on market niches. Um, I have had some really good uh, thoughts over the last few weeks about new product and new ideas and and products to take to market. And uh, I'm in many conversations that makes me very excited about the next few years and things that we can do for our customers. Uh, I'm lucky that I'm very well connected to senior people around the industry and I can, I can listen to them. Uh, I'm a, I'm a great believer in, in listening to many, many podcasts and web streams on people that are offering their advice and how it all comes together. But uh, I, I think I worry a little bit about the economy and how we come out the other side of this. But, you know, if you've got the right products and the right services, you'll bounce back quickly. And I think we're in a good space. So, yes, for me, the future is very exciting. And I'm looking forward to bringing more products into more verticals. Love the optimism. So as we wrap things up, I want to go back to what I mentioned at the very beginning of our podcast, and that is, the philosophy behind this in sharing perspectives from business leaders across the world is how do we all make a positive impact every day? You know, in business, that's one of the greatest gifts that we can deliver. So from your perspective, any final advice for business leaders on how they can make that positive impact every day? So, so my, my view of, of, of that positive impact is, is quite straightforward. Um, listen to your customers. Listen to what they're telling you listen to what they say, put it into context, listen to all the people that work for you, and then play it back, write it down, whatever method works for you, and check what you're being told and then drive in that direction. 
And, you know, I, I think the more you listen to your customers, the closer you'll be to delivering solutions that actually meet or exceed their requirements, hopefully exceed, and, and your business will be in good shape. You know, I've been very lucky in my career. Um, I've had a number of people that I still listen to and go to when I want to bounce ideas off of them. And, and none of them are, are, are fr- afraid to tell me that I'm having a daft idea and it's a bad idea uh, for whatever reason. So, um, I'm always very, very keen to expand the business and expand my horizons. And my father said to me many years ago, you never stop learning and you don't. Well, that's powerful. And there's so much emphasis, it seems, that we, we put on around leadership development, around the art of presentation and how we as leaders communicate. But what you talked about is the power of listening skills. And uh, it works the other way, too. It's knowledge accumulation through sometimes stop talking and do more listening. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Clive, thanks again for joining us and sharing your experience and what an exciting explosive area uh, now and and going forward. We're never going to go back. Uh, We're in the new normal where video and collaboration uh, is a reality and it's fundamental, but thanks again for joining us here today. Uh, My absolute pleasure. Thank you for the invite. I've really enjoyed uh, chatting today. And a reminder to all of you, uh, if you like this podcast, we really appreciate the feedback. Go out on Apple Podcasts. Uh, That's one of the easiest ways to rate and review. Um, It's really valuable for us. So please take a moment to go do that. And also a reminder to make sure to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.